0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Good morning, Frontline. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. It's good to celebrate with you today. We got a lot of fun stuff coming, especially after service today. Uh, but I need to ask you a question, and the question is this, what do you think of when I say the word party? What do you think? Of, go ahead, shout it out, even if you're in the room. Let's have some fun today. What do you think of? Balloons, cake. Ice cream, what else? Music, Music, Music. presents, right? Fun. Like, we think of a lot of fun things. Like, we like to celebrate. It's not even a, like a, a church thing or a Jesus-following thing. It's just a people thing. Like, we like to celebrate. We put significant dates all throughout the calendar, all throughout the year that we can look forward to and celebrate. But how many of you, your first thought when I said party, how many of you, your very first thought was like, oh, church, church, 100%. None of you? <laughs> None of you? Why? Why not? Right? Because so many of us are like, yeah, I don't really party at church. You know, like you've never talked to somebody on a, on a Sunday who was like, dude, last night, Saturday night, it was amazing. It was lit. I was at this bumping party. And your question was like, what church was it? <laughs> right? Like we don't, we don't ask that question or we don't associate church like that uh, with party. But, but why? That's kind of where I'm going to go today. The topic today that we're talking about is celebration. The spiritual discipline that we're actually unpacking together is celebration, but often we don't associate this word celebration with church. Or with following Jesus, we actually don't celebrate it even though the church people, like the church actually has the thing that is worth being celebrated more than anything else, which is the person of Jesus. It, so often it's like we show up to church like we show up to a party that we actually don't want to be at. Have you ever showed up to those parties? I showed up to a family party once in Chicago. Uh, I showed up at my grandparents' house and my 18-year-old male cousin answered the door wearing a kilt and I went, nope, don't wanna be here. <laughs> This is not going to be a good party. It's not going to be a good experience. I no longer want to be here. Like so many of us, we come in to church almost with that expectation. I don't really want to come here. This isn't a place where I celebrate. This isn't a place where I just feel overwhelmed and full of joy. This isn't a place, especially like the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. So many of us, as we walk into church, it's kind of like a mm, little overdone on the greeting side, a little overdone over here. Little, It's like, ah, I just... I, I don't want to come celebrate. I just, I, I, sometimes we just come like this. I'm just here. I'm just here because I have to be. I'm here because I got dragged here. I'm here because it's like, I, I, maybe I've done this my entire life. Or maybe it's like, I don't know why I'm here today. In fact, I woke up and I had 10 different reasons that I didn't want to come to church today. But for some reason, I came. Maybe it's for this. Maybe what you need to learn about today, what you need to hear about and implement in your life is actually all about a celebration. Did you know celebration is a spiritual, uh, spiritual discipline? Did you know that? I didn't know that. I'm a pastor. I, I remember opening it up and kind of flipping through. We have a book that we built this off of. It's called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It's a classic. It highlights prayer and fasting and serving and giving. I mean, it worship, all these other significant spiritual disciplines. It outlines all of them. And at the end of the book is celebration, And what the author says is it's so vitally significant to the rest of the spiritual disciplines, which we're going to unpack together today. But but why is there often this disassociation with celebration and this place or this church or this gathering of believers? Why is that? If you actually read through the Bible, celebration is all throughout it. Whether you're talking festivals in the Old Testament or significant times or seasons or years that God gave to his people and he said, I want you to celebrate here. There's entire festivals and times and weeks and months devoted to celebration. But then here we are in today and in today's culture, we don't do that super well. Like like we do it well outside of church, but, but what if God has more for us to experience through the discipline of celebration here? What if today he invites you to be a part of a celebration of something significant that's happening in our context, in our people, in the lives of people in our family or our neighbors or our brothers and sisters or sitting next to us? What if God is inviting us to step into something that could actually change everything in our lives. Let me show you a couple a couple different passages even throughout scripture uh, that point to celebration. So Luke chapter two, verse 10, we usually read this around Christmas time, but today let's read it together. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news, great joy, all the people. When Jesus showed up, it was changing everything. That God was literally like, Oh, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. He's going to show up and there's going to be a party. There's going to be a party right before him. There's going to be a party after him. Jesus is the party. He's the gift that I'm giving my people. That it revolves around him. Here's another one. They're not on the screen, but just hang with me. Luke 2, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the, highest on, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Immediately after all of the shepherds in the field heard that Jesus was going to be born, a whole choir of angels showed up. I mean, imagine them singing loudly. Like they don't need microphones. They're, they're in the sky. I mean, they sing and they sing perfectly and energetically and emphatically. I mean, they're just, they are so overwhelmed with joy because they just heard the same message that the shepherds just heard. There is a Savior showing up because people were in need of being saved. And it just led them to this place of joy. Here's another one. Jesus, some of the first words he said when he started his ministry, he showed up to the local church, right, the local context. It says this uh, in Luke 4, starting verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim, catch this, good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them this phrase. I mean, imagine being in the room. Jesus looks and he says this, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here. I mean, it's like, can you imagine being there? Like Jesus is going, all of this points to me. Like I'm here. If you feel in bondage, if you feel addicted, if you feel broken, if you feel discarded, if you feel rejected, if you feel forgotten, if you feel all of these things, Jesus showed up to tell you, I'm here for you. And it's a party. And it's a celebration. I'm gonna break through every barrier, everything that stands in the way of me and you. I showed up and it will be different from this day forward. The words that Jesus said were so significant to us to the people that were there, to the people that could hear. Here's something else that that it says in Luke 15. Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. There is a party that happens in heaven over and over and over and over and over again when one of us understands who Jesus is. There's a party. God likes to party. Did you know that? And his parties are awesome. Awesome. Cody made a joke first service. He's like, hey, if you guys don't come to the thing, we'll have 100 pounds left over food and David will eat it. I love food, okay? I'll acknowledge that. But can you imagine the food that'll be in heaven? Can you imagine the party that God throws over one person, over you, over you? When you understand who he is, when you understand that Jesus showed up for you, when you get it right, all of heaven throws a party. Throws a celebration. It rivals any celebration, any gathering, any Super Bowl win, any birthday party, any Christmas or staff party. It it it's paramount to all of them. The party because God loves you like crazy. He's nuts about you. He loves you so much. And that knowledge, that understanding that God feels that way about us, that God already accomplished something on our behalf, he bridged the gap between us and him so that we might spend eternity for him. That should lead us as a church, that should lead us as Jesus followers to a place of celebration. We should be the best partiers in the world because we actually have something that is worth celebrating everything. So check this out. Jesus says this in uh, John chapter 15, starting in verse nine. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Put your name after that line. Something I forget all the time, even in times of prayer, right as I start stepping in, what I always feel like God tugs on my heart, he says, David, I love you. I just wanna remind you of that. You know, like those of you that are married, it's like you, you might say it to your spouse every day, but, but why do you say it? Just as a reminder, just to tell you again, I still love you. I'm so crazy about you. I still love you. I still care about you. Jesus does the exact same thing for us. He says this, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Just sit there. Just take it in. Absorb it. Appreciate it. Rest in it. There's nothing required for you to earn that love. So often that's what we feel. We think we gotta earn it. We gotta perform for it. We gotta do something to earn the affection of our heavenly creator. And here's what God says, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. But then he says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. God's got a gift for you today. God's got something he wants to give you. This is the type of God that he is. He wants to give his children gifts. The gift he wants to give you today is joy. He says, I wanna give you joy. How does he do that? It's in the person of Jesus. When he takes up residence in your heart, there comes with him joy. So he says, my joy may be in you, as in I reside there. I take residence there. I establish myself inside of you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, everybody say this last word with me, complete. complete. I think so many of us, whether we're church people or not, whether we follow Jesus or not, whether we're in this country or not, are living with an incomplete joy. It's killing us. Because when, when we don't experience joy and the celebration that God is actually trying to give us, when we don't experience it with him, we chase all these other things. We chase work, we chase promotions, we chase relationships, we chase finances, we chase jobs or positions or titles or houses. We, we chase all these other things that are guaranteed to deliver less than complete joy. And it puts us in this cycle over and over and over again of going, oh, that quite, maybe I was wrong. That quite didn't deliver what I was after. So maybe, maybe it's the next thing or the next rung or the next position or the next dollar or the next baby, whatever it is. We're, we're so wired to just keep pursuing, keep working, keep trying. When God is sitting here going, I have a gift. I have a gift in it so that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other is I have loved you. This last line lends itself so well, even to today, because it's an invitation to a celebration. Don't just keep this between me and you, God says. This is for us, that there's joy, that there's celebration, that there's transformation that takes place within a community of God's people. Who love each other, who celebrate each other, who celebrate what God is doing in their midst, in their lives, in their families, in the community, in the world. When the church comes and gathers to celebrate, it changes everything. And it's the invitation that God keeps giving us. Too often, we skip this essential spiritual discipline. We skip it. We as people, I'll I'll be the first. I'll put my hand up. We skip this because we almost demote it. It's like ah, oh, this is just partying. Like we'll party later, right? We'll we'll get to that later. Or we'll get there someday. Like right now, there's things to do, or there's people to see, or there's places to go. There's accomplished tasks to be whatever. It's so often we get consumed with whatever the next thing is, and we don't learn to sit. As a people of God and celebrate not what we are doing, not what we have done, not what we have accomplished, but what he has done, what he's accomplished, what he has done on our behalf. The discipline of celebration causes us to stop and to celebrate and to enjoy what God has already done. Richard Foster wrote this book. It's called Spiritual uh, Celebration of Disciplines. It's where a lot of the series pulled its content from as it highlights different spiritual disciplines. And in that book, here's what he says. He said, the spiritual discipline of celebration leads us into a perpetual jubilee of the spirit. We are rejoicing in the goodness and the greatness of God. Celebration comes to us as a result of all of the spiritual disciplines Having done their work in our lives, without joy penetrating all of the disciplines, they will quickly deteriorate into another set of soul-killing legalisms. All too often we highlight prayer or we highlight study or we highlight worship or we highlight any of these other spiritual disciplines that in themselves they're good and they're wholesome and they lead us to, to the person of Jesus. But if we lack celebration, if we lack the enjoyment of what God has done and what God has accomplished instead of us, when we lack that, when we lack the joy in these disciplines, it leads us to a place of legalism, to a place of bondage to a place of frustration and anger and guilt and shame because we keep being reminded, I can't do it. I can't fix it or I can't stop that sin or I can't fix the relationship or I can't undo the divorce. I can't, I can't fix what is broken in my life. So often we miss it. We just miss it and we carry in this burden of like I need to fix, then I can celebrate rather than resting in who God says he is who he's demonstrated himself to be for ages. We forget to just rest in him and celebrate so that we might experience the joy, the complete joy that he talks about, that he intends to give us. I was at a church in Wisconsin uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, it was this conference called Intimacy with God. And so I, I remember showing up like, okay, I'm curious to see what this is like. And, and my experience of the church, it was pretty amazing. Like, especially like being a pastor there when nobody knows I'm a pastor, it's kind of like, I can just be invisible. Like I, I can just watch. I can just observe. Like so many of you get to do like on Sunday, you just you get to watch the people around you. And so I kind of hung back and I watched. And this people was so overwhelmed with joy. Like they couldn't wait to worship. They couldn't wait to sing. I mean, people were up, they were hands in the air, they're dancing around. I mean, people, they're doing stuff I don't know how to do. I'm not allowed to do that in public. There are kids that are running around and, and they're singing. And they're, like, you just see their faces and they're beaming. It's like, I'm at a celebration. Conference, you think like, okay, sit down and you get your pen and click and you're ready to take a bunch of notes. This was not that. This was a party. This was a celebration. This was a people who understood what God was doing in their midst, and they, they just couldn't help but let it out. They just had to celebrate. They just had to get it out. They had, they had to, to do that. I, I shared this first service, and I didn't want to. It's not in my notes. I don't ever plan on sharing stuff like this. But like, when I was in high school, I did this really weird thing in secret that nobody knew about until I advertised it last service. And I would go upstairs to my room, and I would put headphones in, and I would blast music. Sometimes it was worship music. Sometimes it wasn't. But I would turn off the lights so that even I didn't have to endure it. And I would just move. I would just dance. I would, I would do things that I will never do in front of any of you. I would just move. It was like, man, I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to celebrate. I'm trying to get this out. Like, There's a piece in every one of us that wants to lean in 100% to celebration. And then what are the things that stand in our way? Everything I just highlighted. You know King David, I read this not too long ago, just in my own devotion. King David uh, was coming back, God had delivered them in a really amazing way, and as he comes into the city he 's just rejoicing and he 's celebrating and it says he was wearing a loincloth, which is like well that 's interesting, right? King is out there in his underwear, and he 's dancing and he 's moving and he 's shaking whatever it 's like he 's so in tune with the discipline of celebration. And even the the Bible talks about the people around him, like the people right next to him felt freedom to go out and do and be and join him in celebration, but not everybody felt that way. David says, "I'll, I'll be even more undignified than this as I worship, as I celebrate, as I give myself because of what my God has done for me. So let me ask you this question. What's worth celebrating in your life right now? Don't just look to the next thing. Don't just move on. Don't miss what God is doing or has already done in your life. What is worth celebrating right now in your marriage, in your family, in your relationship with your kids, in your own personal walk, or relationship with him, maybe at work, Maybe just fun, something on the side, maybe, maybe even financial. What, like what, what's worth celebrating in your life right now? Have you taken the time to celebrate, or are you already on to the next thing? God's inviting you to celebrate what He's doing in your life. He's celebrating it. Why don't we? If you say, you know, right now is just a really hard season. Right now, it's super difficult. Right now, things aren't good in my marriage. Things aren't good with my kids. Things aren't good personally or emotionally or mentally or physically, right? You you may look at a lot of things in your life right now and you say, David, it's not good. And it's so stinking difficult for me to celebrate right now. Let me ask you this question. What's worth celebrating in the next life? Because if you're a Jesus follower the greatest gift he could have ever given you has already been given. And it's the person of Jesus. And he said, regardless of the pain, regardless of the trial, regardless of the struggle or what you're going through right now, regardless of that, Jesus has already conquered the enemy. He's already conquered the grave. He's already conquered death. So death doesn't get a final shot. So what's worth celebrating in this next life, if you have a relationship with Jesus, everything because the war has already been won. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what I go through, Jesus even promises in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart for I've overcome it. What's worth celebrating as a Jesus follower? It's sometimes instead of looking back, we just need to look forward. Let's, let's change our timeline here. Let's look forward to eternity and talk about and think about how we get to celebrate with Jesus forever because of what he did and what he accomplished on the cross for us, but that requires us to look back about 2,000 years ago and we see what Jesus did on the cross so that cancer doesn't get the final word, so that divorce doesn't get the final word, so so that bankruptcy doesn't get the final word, so that addiction doesn't get the final word. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, I wanna tell you there's a gift for you today and it's from God himself saying, "I, I, I, I wanna give this to you. I want you just to celebrate it. I want you to celebrate what I've already done and accomplished on your behalf. Said differently, it's this. The discipline of celebration points to what God has already done, not what we have accomplished. This discipline leads us into a complete joy that's found only in Jesus For so long, my life growing up, my dad's a pastor. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. I grew up in church, and I I had this resentment towards church. Uh, I always carried in. I mean, I was reminded of all of my shortcomings, all of my faults, all of my brokenness, all of my pain, all of my baggage. It's like the sin that I carried in. I was just reminded of it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But the reminder in me was like, David, you're not good enough. You can't fix it. You already screwed up this morning, or you screwed up last week, or you screwed up on Saturday night. You screwed. Up. It was always this recurring, ongoing theme of like, man, no matter how hard I try to be a Jesus follower, no matter how hard I try to have a life that actually looks like Jesus sort of depicts, like I'm not even close to the sort of, no matter how hard I try, I just kept coming in defeated. And we do this funny thing when we feel rejected, is we reject the thing we feel rejected by. So for years, I would show up to church like this. I don't want this. I don't need this. I I can't beat it anyway, or I can't fight anyway, or I I can't be good enough anyway, so why try? It, It fostered this sort of rebellion and resentment until I actually understood the person of Jesus. I still remember I was in college for the first time and understand how much, how overwhelmingly God loved me. Despite my sin, despite my shame, despite my flaws, despite my reputation, despite my brokenness, despite the history that I seem to be reminded of regularly, God said, yeah, 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 but do you know what I did long before that? And do you know what I'm I'm gonna do with you forever? There was a freedom that showed up when I understood the gift that God intended to give. And it's the same gift that's on the table for you right now. Maybe you haven't accepted that gift. Maybe you've been operating in your relationship with God from the mentality of like, I just have to do more. I have to work harder. I have to perform better. I have to fix X, Y, Z thing. Or this thing about me that I don't want anybody to know or the thing that I feel like is a disqualifier in my relationship with God. Once that's good, then I'll give my life to the Lord. That's not how it works. Jesus says, you're enough Just come, just receive, just sit with me. The greatest invitation he gives his followers, his disciples, is to sit and abide in Jesus. That's all he's asking you. You How much freedom comes when we actually do that? There's an invitation for you today. We're celebrating baptism. Cody talked about it already. We're celebrating baptism today because baptism is this outward representation of what God has done inside of us. And maybe you've been baptized as an infant like I was when I was growing up. I was baptized as a baby, but when I finally gave my life to the Lord in college, it was like, I wrestled. Do I do do this? Do I not do this? The Bible talks a lot about just be obedient to me, Jesus says, be obedient to me. Do what I say, teach others to do what I have taught you to do. Be obedient. And one of those steps of obedience is baptism. So I remember going, man, I I haven't done this yet. I've wrestled. What are people gonna think? What what are people gonna say? Like I, I was in ministry. I shared this with our team this morning. I was in ministry for years before I decided to get baptized as an adult. I know the wrestling, I get the wrestling, but I tell you what, there's so much freedom in just being obedient to what God has called us to do and then celebrating what he's already done on the cross. Maybe you didn't come planning on being baptized today. Here's what I wanna tell you. There's an invitation from God himself for you today. And it's just to rest in him. It's just to receive the love that he is so overwhelming with for you. You just sit in that. And the invitation for the rest of us as a body, as a church, is to actually come alongside and celebrate. I had a class in seminary, which is pastor school. And in seminary, we had one whole day dedicated just to baptism and talking about baptism. And the learning that I had was, as followers of Jesus, we are to celebrate our own baptism in every baptism that we watch or get to be a part of. That's supposed to take us back, that we're supposed to relive it. I mean, the imagery of baptism, you go down into the water, it's like death, and you come back out of the water, and it's new life in Jesus. Every time we see a life do that, we remember, that's what Jesus did for me. That's the invitation that he has given for us. And the celebration piece is just joining in heaven, joining in with what's already happening as we see and watch God's work be put on display in all of our lives. So we're celebrating it today. Here's, uh, this is a longer quote from Richard Foster in that book, but it, I just want you to catch this. I'll read the first part just to give you context, and then I'll read this. He says, celebration is not just an attitude, but also something that we do. So celebration is something we do, not just a way we feel, it's something we do. We laugh, we sing, we dance, we play. The psalmist described the joy-filled celebration of the people of God, complete complete with timbrel and dance, with trumpet and lute and harp, with strings and pipe and loud clashing cymbals. In celebration, we celebrate. And then he says this, celebration is one of those things that does not diminish with use. Somebody say, amen. Amen. It doesn't diminish. The more you celebrate, the more you kind of want to. You know what I'm saying? You've been to those parties. The more you celebrate, the more you want to. Here's what it says. Rather, it multiplies. Celebration begets more celebration. Joy begets more joy. Laughter begets more laughter. I have found that times of genuine celebration have the potential of bringing healing and wholeness to the entire community. I think that's why God invites us to be a part of baptism together. Because there's hurt in our community. Because there's brokenness in our community. Because there's division in our community. And among us, there's sin and there's shame. And the enemy is having a field day. And what God says is, yeah, yeah, but if you celebrate me, And if you celebrate the work that I'm doing among you, your eyes will be open to see how I've been working all along, that I'm in charge, that I'm in control. I'm all powerful and I'm all loving. The invitation that God continues to give to us is just to join him in what he's already doing, just to celebrate his goodness. The first person I ever baptized, uh, I was in college. It was a couple years after I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I was an RA. I had a resident. Her name was Priyanka. And so she was on my floor. She was a Hindu. So she grew up uh, just in Hinduism. Her family was Hindu. And I remember I, I had the opportunity to lead her to Christ over the course of a year just a lot of conversations, a lot of questions, a lot of learning. And she finally, I still remember the day that she finally understood who Jesus was. She was so excited. She came up to me and it wasn't even on my radar. Like I'd almost given up hope. I'm like, I don't know if she's ever gonna cross that line. And she goes, I have something important to tell you today. I said, sweet, you know, what is it? She's like, maybe we should grab lunch and do it over lunch. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I'm clueless, okay? Details, I didn't, man, maybe I didn't get it. So we went out to lunch, she sat down and she said, I made a significant decision. I actually gave my life to Jesus. And I was like, what you did, what are you? And with her, there was a cost. Her family would reject her. Her dad literally disowned her. Like like it, it came at such a significant cost, but she goes, I can't deny who he is. I can't deny the invitation that he's extended to me. And then she says, I wanna get baptized. I was so excited. We called up our local pastor, because I'm not a pastor, called up our, our local pastor and, and we just said, hey, can we come and do a baptism at your church? Who's where we were attending. And he said, yeah, definitely. So he came out and here's the whole group that actually showed up. She shared her testimony at her baptism and two other friends of ours said, you know what? Today's the day I need to get baptized too. I had to baptize three of my friends because of the testimony. Of Priyanka, as she talked about, this is how God was working, this is how He was moving, this was the invitation that He gave me, and I understand finally the overwhelming love He has for me, and so I'm doing this today, and it was contagious. Baptisms beget more baptisms. So today, we're gonna celebrate. We're going to do it together. I I hope every one of you can come right after this service. We're going to have awesome food. We're going to have music. We're going to have worship. And we're going to celebrate together as a community how God is working in our midst. Because baptisms beget other baptisms. Celebration begets celebration. Joy begets joy. So my invitation to you today is this. If you've wrestled, if you're like, I don't know if today's the day or not. Maybe I've wrestled for a long time. Maybe I've been wrestling for 10 minutes. Here's the invitation. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. As one who's been there and done it, don't miss it. It's such a joyous experience. And the rest of us are so excited to celebrate it with you. But for the rest of you, relive your own baptism today. Celebrate what God has already done in your life. How he's moved in your heart, how he's moved in your family, how he's moved through your life. Celebrate what God is doing right in your midst and then share it with somebody else. So I'm gonna ask you this Would you stand up, all of you that are in the room right now? Maybe if you're watching at home or you're tuning in online, just stand up, join in with us. We're gonna pray together and then we have one more song that we can lean into and celebrate together. So let's pray. God, we just love you. We're so grateful for you. We thank you for what you're doing. In our lives, thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our world, God. Sometimes it's hard to see where you're working, but but when we pray and we ask you to show us, we can see it, God. We're just grateful for you, grateful for the person of Jesus that sits on the throne right now. That He's a King who sees us, who loves us, who died for us, who has a gift for us. He's a King unlike any other King. Right now, Father, I pray that we would see you. I pray that we would understand you. I pray that we would receive the gift that you have for us and that it would lead us to a joy, a complete joy that surpasses all understanding that can be contagious, not just among one another, but for our community and for our world. So we love you. We pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful and mighty and holy name and all God's people said together. hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.